KYW Original Podcasts. This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KYW's Greg Willandini with Mike Cervetio from the Philly Soccer Page. This week, John Zapata of Parcero Philly talks with us about Latino fans and the union. We also talk World Cup, Women's World Cup, and Copa America. Hello, everyone. We're back this week. Uh, took a one-week break, but we are back in the studio and uh, the union in hiatus. We do have a lot of soccer to talk about. There's a couple of union games we could talk about. World Cup's gone. Women's World Cup. So soccer never stops, as we know. But we're going to talk about some different stuff off the field. <laughs> Some fan stuff, fans getting in the stadium, things like that. And in the studio with us is a guy I've been kind of going back and forth with for a few weeks, uh, John Zapata. Stupero, stupero, said Parcero Philly here. All right. I'm so excited to hang out with you guys. <laughs> so um, <laughs> just talking to John a little bit, and uh, the thing we're going to talk about is kind of how the team is reaching out to fans and getting fans back in the stadium because Tendency is getting better. I think that's you know key with the play. I think there's weather. There's a lot of issues with that. But um, there's kind of big swaths of the community that seem to not be coming to Union Games. That's kind of what we want to talk about today. So, John, tell, uh, tell us your story real quick. Oh, yeah. Well, first <laughs> off, thanks, guys, for having me on. Of course. A um, yeah. little bit about myself. Um, I'm a Latino-American. Uh, my parents are from Colombia. I was raised here in Philadelphia with these crazy Philly sports fans. <laughs> Um, so funny thing is growing up every summer, I would head to Columbia with my family and that's where the soccer craze would start with me. So for three months, it was soccer, 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 come back to the States in fall. And it was like, Eagles are right around the corner. We're talking Eagles. So a couple of years ago, um, I was actually around the time the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That was like the one trophy I really wanted. So I felt like I finally reached the climax. <laughs> so then at that point, I a lot looked, of people did. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think a lot of people really felt the same way. <laughs> So then I looked at it, and I was like, I kind of want to feel that again. I kind of want to go through that grind, those heartbreak losses, but those fun moments, and then eventually hopefully win a championship. And I looked at a, uh, I looked at soccer in general because um, obviously with my soccer background being Colombian, and I saw how soccer was growing in America. And at that moment, I realized I want to jump on this. So I decided to get on board with social media, getting, getting heavy on Twitter, reaching out to people, same thing with Instagram, and then I – the important things was I started YouTube. So I started a YouTube channel. Anyone can go follow that, El Parcero Philly, um, just trying to just bring relevance to the soccer community. Um, Parcero's United, um, shout out to Parcero's United, big fan group down in Atlanta. They're doing huge things with, in, with diversity and inclusion. Um, we're, all about, we're all a bunch of Colombians that, you know, just want to, you know, make the game uh, more inclusive through our Colombian culture. So we always wear our our Colombian sombreros, the sombrero volteado. Uh, we allow people to wear, we take pictures with it, and just like showing people the different culture. They reached out to me wanting to expand the brand nationwide, and I was like, this is it. This is what I'm about, you know, bringing Colombian culture to, you know, to the MLS. Um, so I was on the Parcero Philly name um, right now, definitely trying to build the Latino culture. Um, but two things that are really affecting this process is number one, especially here in Philly, is our you know lack of relevance, right? So the union haven't really won much in the past ten years, which you know it, it happens. You know <laughs> teams don't always win, but that kind of affects the relevancy of it. Mm-hmm. 
Another issue, too, is another issue that my parceros in Atlanta run into is some of the different clubs around the MLS just aren't really doing their part to reach out to us. So my parceros in Atlanta have been, for, for, since they incepted, since Atlanta United incepted, have been trying to reach out to Atlanta United be like, hey, you guys have a bunch of big Latino players. You have a huge Latino fan base, yet there's still no Twitter, Instagram, nothing for Latinos, nothing in Spanish which is crazy to think, you know, big MLS fans here that Atlanta United wouldn't do anything to reach out. So it's it, the issues running in New England, Chicago, it's all it's yep. it's not just here. Um, all I can do is control what I can control. Every time I'm at the match, if I see a Latino, if I see a, a Mexican, Colombian, whatever jersey it is from a Latino Latino country, I walk up and introduce myself, thank them first off cuz I really appreciate them, you know, supporting what I support. So little by little, little things by like that, like organic growing mm-hmm. is what hopefully we can make this bigger and hopefully we can get more Latinos into talent energy. That's the end goal. I think um, the, the, one, of, one of the issues I think that's it, it's getting a little better and guys like you and guys like you're talking about happening in Atlanta and getting the group scared and kind of having this organic thing happen. But I think that really the league – and it, it, hopefully it's changing a bit. Uh, this isn't union specific, but I think the the attitude was, oh, we'll just roll a soccer ball out there, and the Latino community is going to come because it's soccer. They love soccer, and and it's like at worst it's naive, and it, at best it's naive, and at worst it's insulting mm-hmm. because you know, you're discounting a lot of things. I mean, yeah, they like you know the Latinos enjoy soccer, but they want to see a good product. They want to see certain things happen with that. Um, and, you know, the attempt to achieve a USA, that was kind of a disaster and oh, things like geez. that. <laughs> so uh, what what would you like to see happen a little more from the clubs? And what kind of are you seeing starting to happen? Yeah, um, well, first, on the first point there, a big issue, too, is like, you know, you get someone from Mexico mm-hmm. comes here. They're already used to America. Like, they've been America since they were kids. So it's trying to, like, give them another team to root for. So what I always tell them is like, hey, America's there. Mm-hmm. America will always be there, but you know Philly is in your backyard, and you got a product that's growing, mm-hmm. right? So what I think the MLS can do, um, I've talked to Tim McDermott, I even talked to Matt Gendesic. A small step would be this upcoming fall, middle of September, middle of October, we have um, Spanish Heritage Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, right? So for a month we celebrate all Latino culture. That is something that not just Philly, but the MLS has to take advantage of. Same way, the MLS did a huge job with the Pride, and I really applaud and commend them for the great job they did mm-hmm. with the whole Pride Month. Same thing needs to happen. That's a small, easy step they can take right there just by, by um, taking advantage of um, Hispanic Heritage Month. Just trying to um, also with the uh, Spanish-speaking uh, social media uh, platforms, get on Twitter, start a Spanish-speaking uh, Twitter account. Get an intern from local college. They would more more than happy to translate different um, different tweets for them in Spanish. It's just small steps like that. We're not asking for something you know drastic here. Mm-hmm. You know, signing Marco Fabian is great. You know, but you don't have to go out and sign you know the Lionel Messi's or stuff like that. You know, little stuff like that. People want that connection. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, you, t- you talk about Fabian and hasn't happened on the field yet yeah. too much. You know, he's had the injury. The the Suspensions. You're seeing some flashes when it gets on the field, but but having kind of a, a a catalyst like like Fabian, who is you know incredibly popular 
with Mexican fans. Oh, yeah. You know, national you know national team stalwart. You know, came up from Chivas. Ha- but he said, you know, you don't have to do that all the time. But what's like having that guy and that ability to a guy that can walk into a Latino neighborhood and people know him. people see him, they know him, and he he. he before he even says a word, he communicates something to people. I mean, what's, how, how important is that? So when we signed Marco, in all honesty, like everyone knows the quality player he is, but the first thing I thought of was we're going to get some, you know, real Mexicanos in town energy. We're going to have we're gonna have a fiesta. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fan favorite uh, for Mexicans. But, you know, it's tough to it's tough to generate the fan base to come in when, you know, Marco's not out there. Right. And that's the tough part. But, you know, um, like I said, you don't have to go out and sign the big Marco Fabians to attract the Latinos in. Um, it's great. It's a great start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like I said, the the um, genuine connection between the the front office with the fan base is going to be so much huge, so much bigger. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for me, living where I do in, in like, Fishtown, Kensington, because there is a big Hispanic population over there, mm-hmm. and there's there's a, a taqueria over there that I've been hanging out for ten years. There's always football on there. Yeah, um, and they're they're big Mexican fans. There's always, there's always Mexican league on, and I know the two guys that work there all the time. And you know when Marco signed, I was like, oh, Fabian, you know, come to Philadelphia, and you know they kind of nodded and like, oh, it's exciting. Yeah. And I was like, are you going to go to a game? Like, no. What? Where is the the disconnect there that the 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 interest is lacking? Is it is it the is it what you said before where you know people have grown up rooting for Club America and they they don't see the need to have another team yeah. even though they live here? Yeah, well, another thing too, I've had um, different Latinos reach out to me personally. They just don't feel the connection like they would if it was their America or Chivas. Um, some people feel like you know, I hate to use this word, but you know, the union are too gringo. And mm. I've literally had people tell me that. And I look at it as this is a lot of Latinos like the other sports here in America. You know, especially the NBA is huge worldwide now. Yeah. So when the Sixers in the playoffs, a lot of them are watching the Sixers. Do you think it's almost easier for those folks to latch on to the the other teams because they're not the sport that they grew up with? I think so. I think so too because it's something different. Because obviously, like mm-hmm. in Mexico or your other different countries, you don't have you know pro pro football or right. pro basketball and stuff like that. Um, but you know, with soccer here, you, you already have that in your own home country. Yeah. So it's difficult, you know, for them to jump on board uh, with something they're already used to. Um, but I always, I always tell Latinos like, this is Philadelphia, right? You know, this is your new home. Mm-hmm. Help build something different. Help you know build a culture here that could be like you know America, be like Chivas. It, it's not going to be like that exactly, but you know. Little by little, if we all can just put our you know effort together, it could be something big. Do you do you think too that? And I have heard this from from some folks that I've talked to. I mean, from a variety of swaths of life, it's, the stadium is not easy to get to. No, it's it's, it's not the South Philly stadiums where where the Eagles and Sixers play. Um, do you think that that is a limitation on getting some of the Hispanic community down? To I Chester? Just, I mean, I think in general, like, I, one of the issues I run into people, why they don't follow the union is they always throw the stadium location. Yeah. I understand, like, I travel to Chester, too. Like, I understand the difficulty. Mm-hmm. But if we had a winning product, yeah, would you, would that stop you from coming down? Right. That's what I have to say to that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hassle traveling down there, but, you know, it's Philadelphia soccer. Know, the union are making efforts and making public transportation more accessible for yeah. all our fans here in Philadelphia. So, 
make that little effort, you know? I, th- I, th- I mean, going back to what you were saying about, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, when, when that comes around, you know, I think that there's, there's, there's a really obvious connection there, whereas, you know, where the Philadelphia Union is expanding the, the bus transit down. Yeah. Why not, why not have the, the Latino bus going down? We'll get a little buseta going. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the other sport in the States that has a long tradition with Latino players and, and Latino culture is baseball, mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. What have you seen that they do right that maybe MLS can do? I just think that baseball in general just has a little bit more um, – of a name in, in this country in mm-hmm. general, um, I, especially like when they come here, um, it's mostly like the Caribbeans in all honesty. Right. So you got Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Goa mm-hmm. are huge into the baseball. So when they come here, they just keep picking it up. Baseball has been huge here for hundreds of years. Right. So that you already had that. Right. Um, but what, I mean, I think that um, one good thing, like the, especially like the Phillies do, is they do highlight, you know, the uh, Michael Franco, Cesar Hernandez, this isn't such like that. Um, and I do think the union do a good job. Like, you know, they are like, you know, Alejandro Bedoy, especially him being dual, like, you know, American and Colombian, someone like me I can mm-hmm. relate to, especially Fafo speaks Spanish, Marco too. I definitely do think that they do, you know, promote their Latinos in a good right. aspect. Um, but like I said, it's it's like this the stigma around the union in Philadelphia in general, not just the Latino community. It's just like, you know, it's not the it thing. Right. We're it's, trying to. Yeah. Make, and we, it's, you know, our last, last podcast we did when we had you know, Matt on, Matt Leon on that. We, we talked a lot about that. Like, and winning is, is what solves that. It was what cures yeah. all that. And being a good, uh, consistent playoff team and being relevant in, and in, in the sports scene, I and I guess that would open a lot more doors, but it would, you know, like we said, like I said earlier, it's not just we'll roll the ball out and the Latino community will come. It's like, it's like they're like any fans. They want to see, okay, what are you doing? Prove to me that I should spend my money on you. Prove to me that I, you know, I'm a loyal, like you said, America fan. I'm a loyal Chivas fan. I'm a loyal, you know, uh, Columbia fan. You know, my my club teams in Columbia or wherever. But prove to me that I, I I could give a slice of my loyalty to you guys. You know, and I think. Winning opens that door, obviously, and b- having that product. And I think finally they're pointing the arrows pointing in the right direction. But you know, it took them ten years to get to this point. One thing too, we have to remember. Um, I've dealt with this, and I've had friends deal with it. When Latinos are in talent energy, welcome them. Mm-hmm. I've had someone you know criticize me for my sombrero. I've had a friend you know being criticized for wearing his cape. Uh, it's, you know, we a lot of times we like to wear our flag. Flags, yeah. so we like it's a cape, which is you know, just being being proud of where we're from welcome them ask them like hey you know if you don't know what flag it is where, where is that flag where are you from such and such we're a family here that's the key point that we have to remember here and i think we're we were talking about this before we came up this you know the soccer community is still so small yeah. and a lot we forget that and you can't afford to cut people out of it at this point you you have to if we want the sport to grow and i think you know three of us are sitting here because you know we're We'd like to. We would like to. We're fans of the sport, and we want to see it grow. I mean, it's it's. You have to keep those doors open. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talking about you know maybe the the team having a different kind of year with the the success that they've had so far. So obviously Marco Fabian's been in and out of the lineup, which has been really disappointing. Yeah. But let let's let's fast forward to September and and <laughs> and, and play a little imagine imaginary game here. 
Union still are in first place mm-hmm. in September. Marco Fabian comes back, you know, kind of after the Gold Cup break and uh, looks healthy, and he starts picking up goals and assists, and, and, and the team is succeeding, and he is succeeding. How much does that go into the draw that that can be for the Latino community, just in itself? Yeah, I definitely think that would be huge. You know, I think a winning product in general, a winning fun product in general would bring out everyone. Yeah. Um, with that winning, there needs to be a more, like, uh, relevance for the Latinos. The, the union have to take advantage of that. If we're winning, the, the Latinos are going to keep their eyes out, and they're going to look at what's going on down in Chester. So if, when that happens, you got to take advantage of it with the marketing. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I said, bring out Marco. Keep doing, keep doing like the um, like the Cinco de Mayo thing uh, yeah. events that they did. That's huge. Yeah. That's just some small. Maybe we gain some new fans like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely, um, if, you know, knock on wood. You know, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, hopefully, st- we, st- we stay in first place. Yeah. That'll be huge. Well, I, you know, I asked a question about maybe fast forwarding a little bit. Um, let's rewind a couple of seasons too, because I think particularly during the Ernie Stewart era of the Philadelphia Union, there was not uh, a huge emphasis put on signing players from Central and South America. There was definitely a look towards bringing in more European players to to varying degrees of success. Mm. How aware are Latinos of of that being a thing that happened in the in the short history of the union? I that's a you know that's a great question. I always talk about this with all my union friends. Um, when if you guys when you guys remember like when we first started in 2010, we brought in Roger Torres mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Carlos Valdez, mm-hmm. both guys who are from Colombia and we're you know we're fan favorites. Um, everyone knows about the Carlos Valdez deal. You know the union kind of got bit in the ass with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> but after that deal, they kind of cut off with Colombia, which to me, is disappointing, not only because I'm Colombian, but mm-hmm. right now there is a surplus of young talent that's coming out of Colombia. And the rest of the world sees it, and they're taking advantage of it. Even here in the MLS, they're taking advantage mm-hmm. of it. Um, I remember, too, you know, we were going after a lot of Costarricenses and Panameños mm-hmm. and all those Central Americans, too. I don't know if it was Ernie's preference or, you know, uh, if it was deals like the one with America de Cali that cut us off, but... Um, when Ernst signed Sergio Santos Gomes from Chile and we beat out Necaxa for that, that to me was a win. Mm-hmm. First yeah. off, we just beat out a Mexican club for a player that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And second off, this is, that's a South American player. You know I me, mean? yeah. I know my, I, I know Atlanta very well. Like I see what's going on down mm-hmm. there. That's a pool that's, number one, affordable. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's got a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I've always talked about it. it it's... You know, it's right in your backyard, and we ask Arnie about it, and you know, you've heard his interviews with us, or <laughs> they were <laughs> Kurt half and half. But um, but it, it, MLS, I think, presents a really good opportunity for players from Central and South America because I, it, it's you know it, the stability of the league, and and I don't think you can discount that. And you you hear, hear players talk about that because there's some of the you know I'm. Some of the teams have financial issues. I mean, some teams in Europe now have financial issues. It's just the way the nature of the sport, you know, the lower leagues and the lower divisions. And you, you can kind of go find this talent and you can say, hey, you, this is steady. This is work. You can come up here and you can be a better player and you can work and you get compensated for it properly. And, and you know, it, it's just the, these, the MLS really just has to look at that and kind of, yeah. you know, focus on that a little more. 
you you guys were talking about the salaries, right? Um, last yeah. episode. Uh, I, I, I think it came out after we yeah, recorded. It so, yeah. do you how how much is Sergio Santos making? Uh, I, I think in the million range. I don't have oh, off the top. Of, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I think he he's getting pretty solid money. Yeah, but I mean, a lot for a lot of a lot of the players, but like in the Sergio Santos, yeah. you know, role, like you know, grew up in Brazil, mm-hmm. not in a nice area for them to come to America, live the American dream, making pretty good money. Yeah. We could all say like, yeah. That's huge. That's the American dream. That's what we're all living. Oh, absolutely, for. absolutely. Um, yeah. So, what what do you see the future? I mean, would you know? And you know, kind of talk like how Mike was talking. You know, is everything pointing up for the league as far as reaching out and being the inclusive league? It, it needs to be. Well, I think that with the growth of the MLS in general, I think that it's going to just attract Latinos. Yeah. Um, especially when you see you see more teams playing exciting style of soccer, um, Latinos are going to jump on board. Um, it's just all I think about the growth of the MLS. Whether or not the MLS clubs want to make an actual effort to reach out to us, mm-hmm. we will see. Um, just from talking to like Tim McDermott and like you know Sons of Ben President Mac Desic too, there the union seem to actually have an, a care for us. Yeah. So that to me is is a huge win. Like we've all, we've been beating this drum heavy. Uh, the winning is going to cure it all. It's going to bring more people. Yeah. Uh, my my main focus, my main goal at the end of the day is I want I want this city to be a five for five city. Yeah. Well, I want when you're talking about the Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, and Phillies, I want the Union to be added on to that as well, not just for Latinos, but for my Philadelphians in general. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think the potential is there, and I think you see it in some other cities now. And you're at least you're starting to. I think what you know. LAFC is doing Huge. creating a culture um, for everyone though, not for just ev- for Latinos. Yeah. yeah, for for everyone. I think what you see in Atlanta is just spectacular and such a great showcase for the sport. And you know what what Arthur Blank is doing and carrying. You know he he's an NFL owner, so he you would think he'd be like the other NFL owners that have MLS teams, but he cares as much about Atlanta as he does his Falcons and wants them to be as good as. As the Falcons do, and you know, th- that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great, and it, it's a good showcase, you know, for for the sport, for the league, yeah. and for the you know, sport all over. Greg, when I was down there for the Union uh, Land United match, mm-hmm. when I walked into the Benz, my jaw dropped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like I like I had to ask my girl to pinch me because like I was like, <laughs> is this a soccer right. match yeah. we're watching? Or we're watching like the Falcons play. No, this is soccer, and. Right. It's, Atlanta is a is a is an absolute example that MLS can work here in America. Yeah, absolutely, be patient, positivity, and we'll get there. All right, I think we'll switch gears to talk about what's going on on the field. And John, you're welcome to hang out with us. Always awesome. Appreciate get a little it. different perspective yeah. on things. So the Union played a couple games uh, since we last talked with all of you. Uh, won one spectacularly and lost one. Yeah, they lost. <laughs> um, so it's, we got—I mean, we could talk all day about that Red Bull game. So let's get started. That was just amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, I said it to you before we started uh, to both of you guys. Uh, you know, I think I've been around this club for a long time. I've been to almost every home game in the history of the club. That's one of the best wins I've yeah. ever seen, um, and at a time where it was absolutely essential that they got that result. Um, I think the that home stretch against uh, Portland, Seattle, Colorado, where they only pick up two points, was incredibly disappointing. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a rebound in Minnesota. They come back to Philadelphia, get a home crowd uh, with a, a fair mix of Red Bulls fans, and yeah. it's a great atmosphere down at Talon. 
Uh, they go down two nil. Everybody feels like, oh crap, is this is this the the mm-hmm. union of old? And they they come back to win that game in in stunning fashion from one of the best individual performances in union history with Elsino. Um, so I just that what a perfect win to go into the the break too. That was that was just uh, you know I don't think there's enough words to describe. It was such a spectacular yeah. win and just the individual effort from Elsino who just went on the field and from the moment he stepped on the pitch changed the game and changed the atmosphere of the game, changed the crowd, changed everything about that game and you know had a hand in all three goals, made everybody on the field. Step up! It, I should have, he should have had a hat trick too. That was a had great a save from Robles to deny yeah. the hat trick. <laughs> yeah, could have had a hat trick, right. and it was just such a tough first half that the Union dug himself such a deep hole, and just nothing was clicking for him. And it, it, it was it was something else. And uh, you know, John, from a fan perspective, were you at the game or were you watching on TV? I was watching it on TV. Yeah. So from that perspective, I mean, yeah. when when you see El Senio come on, <laughs> and, and and you just see that that the, the switch get flicked. I mean, what's it like? Yeah, come. What was it like on the on the TV? I mean, honestly, like when when El Senior comes, like when you're seeing El Senior like walk up to you know, <laughs> get ready to come into the to the pitch, it feels like you know when Brad Lidge was coming out like going that <laughs> yeah. series. Right, right, right. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's El Senior! It's El Senior!" Everyone gets excited, mm-hmm. and you know he I, he's he's probably he's definitely one of the more more exciting Union players we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I can't think of a more exciting one. Skill. Um, we were talking about it last night. I was at the um, the Union Soccer Podcast event mm-hmm. with Jim Kirchin, and Jim was saying um, his a little bit of El Senior's background. The man was playing it for Ukraine top division soccer, but he literally would only play like the Champions League games. And it's like what he literally's like playing Champions yeah. League. But like the skill that this guy has is absolutely you. You're like literally on the edge of your seat when he's out there. And honestly, I will give I will make the uh, the argument that that Red Bulls game. Was probably the best game in Union history. It's up there. I think there's I a mean, really good argument for it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, I mean, just this kind of context of it. You know, their division rival. Your your the back and forth between the fan bases. All like the, yeah. Since the um that the bang beating of the red car. <laughs> ever, ever since that, it stirred like a crazy whirlwind between both fan bases. It was, and, it was great. And you finally got to see again what. What talent can be when it's yes. at full volume yes. and at full capacity, and Solid. and when all the fans, not just the river end, just all the fans are kind of as one. It, it was funny to me, and I was uh, talking on Twitter with uh, Kevin Kincaid about this a little bit because there was that um, that article that came out from Grant, oh, Grant Wall, Wall yeah. and he criticized the atmosphere in Chester, and. Kevin and I were like, well, when the hell was the last time Grant Wall was in Chester? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, between the two of us, I don't think we've missed a game in six years. I've never he's seen not been, He's not yeah. been there. He's a tough so guy to make. So if you want to criticize he's a hard the guy to make, too. I, it's all... fine. <laughs> I, and I, there was criticism, crit, there's criticism to make, but to make yeah. that kind of criticism without the, the knowledge of actually being there, right. it's a little empty to me. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like Seeing that stadium full and hearing the, the crowd there when, it, when it's really going – and getting a little mix of uh, visiting fans is yeah. always great to keep the Suns that's about a little great. more honest. Yeah, that's always great. And and it's you get at Red Bulls and you get DC. You get a little bit from NYCFC. Um, it's a little new, right? Yeah, they're still a little new, so they're they're figuring it out. But you, but DC and and uh, Red Bulls, you always get get that get that get, get that antagonism, you know, yeah. going, which is which is what we love. I mean, we we're lovers of the sport and you see that in, in the other in England and Italy and all that. You see that, you know, that give and take in these stadiums and it's it's great to have it here. 
I thought the other thing that really contributed to the atmosphere of that game is that it was an absolutely cracking game. I mean, there is fifty fifties everywhere, and and not in a way that was was dirty. It wasn't yeah. dirty at all. It was it was physical. It was uh, competitive, in all of the ways that you love to see our sport. Because you you had two teams that knew what, what this game meant. You had two teams that you know are, are fighting early for the division. You have two teams that have some fam- familiarity with each other and the coaching staff on down. And and when, when there's stakes, yeah, definitely you have. You have that between the teams, and then you know there's so much. Okay, is this team a rival? Is this team our rival? And it's fine. I mean, but rivalries happen kind of organically. I always said like Sporting KC was almost our biggest rival at one point. Yeah, because of all the cup games and things like that. Yeah, we talked about this the yeah. last time. And, and and you know, just and New York is such a the natural geographic rival. Sure. Washington's the natural geographic that's rival. I was, that's what I would always say about the whole argument. What are we a rival with? Red yeah. Bull? You look at every major sport in this country: Eagles, Giants, rivalry. Yeah. Phillies, Mets, rivalry. Yeah. Sixers, Knicks, not as big, still yeah. rivalry. Rangers and Flyers have had great oh, games in NHL for history. Forty years they've been Rivalry. killing each other. Yeah. So why, why is it that when it's the Red Bull and the Union, we want to disregard yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. It, and I exactly. think it is, and it's going to to become more of a rivalry when they the teams play. And this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago: is that they haven't played a lot of important games against each other. Yeah. Some Open That's Cup games true. never in the playoffs. Um, if there's a playoff matchup, it I think it immediately jumps to the biggest rivalry that the Union have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because because then you'll have like if it's a two game series, yeah. you, you'll have like this I ninety five thing where yeah. the, te- the fans are going back and forth and things like that. You'll have that, you know, w- yeah, exactly what you have with the Mets, what you have with the Rangers, what you have, you know, it, w- what you have with the Islanders and the Devils, things like that. You know, so. Um, you want to talk about the other one? I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we got to talk about the Open Cup. Uh, you know what? Uh, this is my thing with Cup games. If you're gonna bow out of a tournament, do it early. Yeah, don't I, wa- don't waste half your season they doing it. Fighting too, as well. Yeah, you, and, you know what? And, <laughs> and the other thing, you had your second string defense chasing Wayne Rooney around for 120 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that match was interesting to me because we haven't seen DC and the Philadelphia play that yet this season. They've been two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, yeah. um, and I think that everybody is excited to see when they match up in the league. Um, I think. The takeaways you can go take from that game is it disappointing to go out of the Open Cup in the first round? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, is it really detrimental to the league this season? I don't. I mean, I, I tweeted this afterwards and said, you know, having one less competition to worry about is maybe not the worst thing for this Philadelphia yeah, Union team. If, if you look at the years they had the Cup runs, except really last year, um, that was their season. I yeah. mean, they were, they were so bad in the league. That you know they're going into the cup sitting on three four league wins. It's yeah. like okay, well, maybe this might be our year, so we got to really kind of push it for this. And now you're it's it, 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 it's the, opposite. The, yeah, the script's flipped, and you know they had a lot of selection issues just because the guys going away to national team camp and injuries and the, and you know, no roster cool. yeah the roster restrictions for so yeah I, and I and I think <laughs> but you can look at that game and you know definitely. It's not. It's not a Union B team. It's certainly a, a, more of the B defense yeah, um, yeah. in that group. But they didn't get played off the pitch by what was essentially DC's first team. No, no. Um, they definitely held their own, particularly in the first half, where I thought that they were the better team. Um, and and DC doesn't score until the hundred and eighteenth minute. Yeah. So I mean, you basically pitched a clean sheet. Yeah. Through hundred eighteen of hundred and twenty minutes. Guys, right. I mean, yeah. Can we talk about the Fontana show? 
Yeah. yeah. I tweeted <laughs> Great. about yeah, it. Was it. so good. I tweeted about it right yeah. before the match. I was like, are we going to get the Fontana show tonight? Yeah. He didn't get to start, but then he got in in the mm-hmm. extra time. And he got his goal. Yeah, playing as kind of a number nine. At, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the yeah. time, it was the game winner. And then yeah, know, it should have been the game winner for all sense of purposes. I, I, you know, it, it's such a numbers thing with him right now. And I'd like this. I think with um, I know, you know Warren got hurt, so we, yeah, you know, Warren's hurt. I feel so bad for yeah, Warren. I feel for, I feel yeah, for Warren. Warren. Warren's yeah. he's he's such a good guy. Yeah, he, he really is. Um, Warren's hurt. You know, Jones is gone. You know, so he's almost the natural backup to Montero at this point. So the numbers have kind of been against him just because of where he plays in his skill set. But that that opened up a little bit. So he could be, you know, your guy that could be coming and be a closer for you, or he could be a guy that come in and be a possession player for you late later in a game and do some things for you. He's a good player. I mean, it's I th- a weird I situation think, to me though, because like he was like. We thought he would yeah. be the Brandon Aronson that right. we saw. And then and Aronson kinda, just kind of leapfrogged him. Jumped, yeah. jumped yeah. the line a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Aronson totally leapfrogged him. And I think in this system, he works a little better because he's not a winger and he's not really a wide player. That He's, he's essential. I mean, Jim's described him as an eight. That's probably his most natural spots. The six or an eight, probably more an eight, where he, he's got the field in front of him. He can carry the ball a little bit. And, you know, he, he got to start thinking long term about. You know, Bedoya's 32. Harris is 34 or closing in on 34. So you're not going to have those guys forever. Montero, you hope you're going to have for a little while, but his. I hope so. I yeah, love watching Yeah, him. I mean, he's great. He's, he's <laughs> probably much. So yeah, but, you know, his, with his, his, <laughs> his loan situation uh, being, being what it is, and you don't know if he's going to, you know. You got you got questions you got to answer, and Fontana's got to answer some of those questions for you. Hopefully, I mean I think that's one of the disappointing things about going out in the Open Cup in the first round is that you don't get another game where mm-hmm. you can maybe have a little bit of a change squad, yeah. and and maybe give him a little bit more of a run and get him sixty minutes right. or or at least forty minutes. That's a great time to put those players. Out. Yeah, no, so that's that's going to be the disappointing thing about being out of the Open Cup is that maybe we don't get a chance to see that. The, a player like him, absolutely, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Another player from that game. Can we get Imbazio some more minutes too? Yeah, I've been calling for it. Yeah, I, mean, I think <laughs> I think we were all very surprised when Keegan Rosenberry gets traded, and and you know you you see the system is kind of set up to have you know really important width from the the fullbacks. Ray Gaddis is a known quantity in that he's not an offensive fullback, Mm-mm. and that that's fine. But you're also seeing situations where, especially like when Elsino comes in the game, Ray Gallus makes an overlapping run, and basically the opposing defense is just waved to him yeah. and let him go. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think I don't think that there's too many people in the the Philadelphia Union fan base that are are unwilling to to give Olivia Mbizo some more minutes. Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to give him the keys to the right back position, but I've seen in the it's been three matches we've seen him right. So I've seen stuff that I think if with some more playing time. That he can develop into a starting yeah. right, every game starting right fullback. And I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think that there are, there are definitely roles that he can play, particularly when the union is at home, because you know against Seattle, against Portland, against Colorado, those teams all came in and bunkered. Yeah, I, yeah. How much of Ray Gaddis's defensive cover do you need? I mean, I know a lot of those teams are looking to break, and that's where Gaddis can kind of do his thing. But if if you're looking for a more offensive contribution from the defense. You know, giving him a sixty-minute run, and if you can get up a goal or two, then maybe you switch your right back, and you you can yeah. bring in a guy like Ray. Because you're, you're, 
you know, without Fabian, you're at a disadvantage. You don't have a guy, a lot of guys on the field that, you know. And Barzell's Aaron, got some trickery. Yeah, Anderson, <laughs> you know, Aronson's great. We love him, but I think we talked about it before. He doesn't have that that guile yet, that kind of that that veteran trickery yet to to be the guy that breaks down a defense for you yet. And Bizo, you know, he can be a guy like that a little bit where he, you know, he's coming in from a wide position and he could get one-on-ones and do th- do stuff like that and kind of maybe make a little space for other guys. And, and he, you know, he's he's a physical specimen. He has a lot of just natural attributes watching him play. He's he's really just a bulldog kind of runner. He's really strong and you know, he's he's just you know, and you, you you thought he would play because this was that was what was justifying the, the Keegan move. I think that there's one thing that does hurt him a little bit too, and he was guilty of it in the DC game. Is he can get caught in the dribble in the defensive end, yeah. and he he tried a Cruyff turn in the corner and got dispossessed <laughs> by DC, and DC created a scoring chance yeah, over yeah. it. And it's like you look at that and you go, "Well, Ray Gattis doesn't do that, right?" Well, that's, <laughs> that's true. It's, he's got it. No, I, and I think, and that, that, but that's like you said though. You give the guy a couple of more games. Yeah. And and you Jim Curtin can yell at him a couple of times yeah. and say, "Stop doing cross turns in our own half." <laughs> right, right. You just <laughs> step you know, overs in the offensive but that, third. That's something, yeah. like you said, it's something that comes. I mean, just being a little tidier in your defensive end. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely something that'll come. Um, so there. Uh, when's the next game now? That's not New for, England, right? New England, England twenty-six. Yeah. New England twenty-six at New England because they're not homing until July. It's crazy. Um, you think we'll get more than seven thousand in that stadium? Or? <laughs> Oh, man, oh, they, they man. got their own problems. <laughs> you, ever, you ever been up there? I haven't, but oh, man. I forget what writer it was. It was like the Cincinnati game, and mm-hmm. there literally was like less than seven thousand. Yeah, it's just like oh my yeah, God. but you we talk about that bad. But you know, I mean, the Pats get, but it's only eight games, and then the Pats. But talk about a place that's like not near anything. I mean, Foxborough is almost Rhode oh, yeah. Island. Yeah, you know, and and it's you it's, feel like you're still in like MLS, like. The end of one yeah. it's, it's like MLS point five oh one point five. I mean, it would, you know, just it, it would be great if they could get a stadium closer to downtown, closer to Boston, or more in the greater anywhere. Boston, you know, <laughs> Cambridge, anywhere, something, yeah, yeah, something in the greater, more closer to the greater Boston area, just to. And it's funny with that situation because you, you're talking about Boston, a city that's just constantly winning championships. Right. So they're like, you know, what do we care about soccer? We'll just watch the Prem or something like right. that. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, and uh, and they're, you know, the Red Sox owner owns Liverpool. So they're all Liverpool fans over there, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so is there any other soccer going on? There's a lot of soccer going on, actually. Is there some international soccer? Yeah, let's talk a little Gold Cup. Uh, United States uh, kick off the Gold Cup. Last night, an unimpressive, about as unimpressive as you can win four nil. It's a four nothing win. It was. You take a win against a a Guyana team who are okay. I mean, for a Guyana, I thought they played pretty well. Yeah, they did. You know, and you know, I think that the the thing that I I I want to give Guyana credit for is that they they didn't come in and defend in in blocks of four. Mm -hmm. They came in and and thought that they could score a goal. And I think that maybe tells you a little bit more about. The state of U.S. soccer, right. where a team like that doesn't feel like they need to bunker and play defense for the whole match, right. and you had a U.S. team that wasn't even interested in pressing them up high, and like Guyana's getting the ball and the United States letting them play out of the back. What was the formation last night? Was it four one four one? That's kind of how it looked drawn up, but I, I guess I mean I don't, I don't know. Burr Holter's not a big four two three one guy. I don't. Yeah, think. I mean I think Zardes is definitely higher than anyone else. Did, yeah. did you guys? Did you guys read Coward's uh, tweet this morning? I, it was the hottest take in, he's ever had in soccer. So oh, yeah. his thing is like, 
we have McKinney and Pulisic in the center, right? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we building a system around the two best players that are playing? That's a fantastic game? question. <laughs> yes. That is a question. Uh, I have a lot of issues with, 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 the, with the men's national team. <laughs> That's one of them. Ernie, call up Greg right now. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's available. Got... <laughs> I, uh, no, it, no it, it's it, a fine it, question. It, it's, so, it's so frustrating, and they just have such – and I understand the U.S. hasn't produced a really good striker in a while. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have Zardis out there, and that's why you know out the door is still getting called up. But they have such a foot in the old way of doing it still. And it's frustrating that you have these young, dynamic guys that you have to start shepherding. Shepherding, and win the gold cup is nice, but get some of these guys out there. Get the sergeants out there. Get, oh, that's the thing. Yeah. Josh Sargent needed to be involved in that game yeah. last night. You're, you're going to tell me that he doesn't at least give you a little bit more than Gassy Sardis as the, yeah. as the lone striker in this situation. Zardes scored a goal last night, and that was the only way Zardes was ever going to score. Oh, is a ricochet that just hit him in the head. Right. I mean, we've he, he's a fine he's a fine MLS player. We've seen enough of him at the international level to know. And he's not a striker in that in no. that kind of sense. No. I mean, I think he operates a lot better if you go back to his uh, LA Galaxy days of yeah. operating off the left side, right? Or at least you know in a in a three a little more yeah more freelancing sort of way. Yeah. I mean, but we've seen him enough at, at the national team level to know he's not. An national team player, yeah, and and the fact that they just keep kind of churning these guys out, and the fact that Michael Bradley's out there again, and oh. and I, <laughs> do do we need Michael Bradley out there? I mean, the Gold Cup is what it is. It'd be great to win, but we should have higher aspirations at this mm-hmm. point when we're trying to rebuild whole federation. The federation after the disaster of not making the 2018 Cup. Now, as you guys see, I have. Columbia jersey, <laughs> I am, you know, I'm a cafetero through and through. That's where I fell in love with soccer. But I'm going to have a family here one day, and I want my kids to be in a thriving soccer mm-hmm. nation. So I, I always am rooting for the U.S. I want them to do good, you know. And it's tough watching them like in this <laughs> yeah. weird place right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it is tough. It, it is, it's tough. It's in a lot of things. The you know, I'm I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to beat this horse because the year it took to figure out who the coach was going to be. Oh, that was embarrassing. Is is, and you didn't interview Tata. That's that's what kills exactly, me. You didn't exactly. interview Tata. Yeah, yeah you the had best pro- coach in our domestic league. The, the best coach in backyard. The best coach in the hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, sitting in your league. You know, talk. Would England take a year to figure out who their coach is? No. Would Italy? Well, nobody would. Spain, France, Germany, Colombia, Argentina. I don't think Guyana Brazil. would. I think it took us uh, <laughs> maybe four months, five months for right. us to hire Kiedos. Right. So would, yeah, no, I agree. Any of these federations take almost a year. And hang Dave Sarenson out there with an interim tag on him. And he he did an okay job. He was never going to get the job. He's the guy you, know, you just feel bad for. Him yeah, he's the guy, you know. And, and dealt a losing hand. You, you stunt the program for a year because anything he's doing, they're going to wipe away. Yeah. So my question is. And so nothing I saw last night made me feel any better. Yeah. <laughs> my question is, do you guys see maybe any Cinderella story? Maybe someone pulling an upset uh, later on? In the Gold Cup? Yeah. Because I have an interesting one. Canada's been okay. Yeah, Canada's Canada's been... uh, They're always kind of on the verge of coming back, and it's been a while. Um, I always always like to see Jamaica in tournaments. Ding, ding, ding. 
They're exciting. Jamaica's yeah. always exciting because they always, you know, they'll run on thought, you all I day. I they look good against Honduras the other yeah. day. And they, get, they got a good Obviously, union, union connection. Yeah, we yeah. Got, you guys know when Andre's on, Andre's on. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's probably the best shot-stopping goalkeeper oh in the tournament. God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it, could Jamaica win it all? Sure, why not? I mean, That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to. I wouldn't see. be mad at it. Yeah, they're fun. They're always fun to watch. They're always, you know, they're always athletic. They're, they run all day, and they, you know, they and they got skill, and so they're always great to watch. Yeah. Unfortunately, the American me thinks that Mexico's going to win. Mm. Mexico should win. Yeah, I mean, they're me- <laughs> they're, 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 Mexico. I think they're the best team in a tournament. Yeah, Mexico's on the ascension. What are they? Did they win and, six six nil the other night? Yeah, and I mean, they have their injury problems too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I did want to. We were very negative talking about a four nothing win. I, I want to give out a, a shout out to Boyd. Yeah, I yeah. thought he, I thought he was like, good. You know, it's a guy yeah. we don't know a lot about. Right, and it was kind of his coming out party. Yeah, and, and, he scored two good goals. Yeah, uh, second and one's deflected, but you know, it's a good shot. He uh, and be, he was positive. He's very positive in the final third. And that's the thing with the, with the states. There's always that one guy you you don't you're not sure about that kind of comes on all of a sudden, yeah. and then you, know, you kind of get excited about it. And he's one of them. I mean, we know about McKinney, we know about Pulisic, we know about Sargent, all those guys. But now Boyd, he's a guy who could be in that mix. Uh, no. Maybe. I mean, you know, it's, you know, one game does not, you know, a career make, but... Yeah, it's good to see, though. It's, it's, a, good, to, it's, it's good to see, yeah, something positive coming out of it. And, and I thought, you know, particularly in the, the opening 25 minutes, Pulisic had a couple of dribbles that I was yeah. just like things that I've been waiting to see from an American for like yeah, three t- years of... of of you know, and, guys, and, and, uh, someone with a little trickery in them. That goes back to what, what John what John said that you have that kind of dynamic guy who you know just has that stuff he wakes up with every morning, <clears throat> stuff you can't teach. That just you know, just the ability to work in small spaces and the ability to just make a touch and, and open up the game for himself or for somebody else. That's what you should be focusing on. That's what your system should always be about. That's where it should, everything for this team should begin and end with him and guys like that. Yeah, and 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 it's just you know you're you're dragging around Michael Bradley and Josie out the door and Jesse's artist still. So uh, let's talk about the ladies. Yeah, I mean, is is there any chance that this women this U.S. women's team is not going to win the women's World Cup? I've I've watched a bunch of these games. The, it's going to be a major upset if someone beats them. The bits in their teeth, and you can, yeah. you can tell. And I'm going to say this, and um, this is, and I've had my issues with the, with the women's team, just kind of how the players are sometimes, and how the, you know, just just. But you would never see a situation. They never put themselves in situations like the men teams, men's team does. They are cold blooded. They are ruthless. Mm-hmm. There's a team in front of them that they know they're better than. They blow them off the pitch. Yep. And I have no problem with what they did to Thailand. No. They, it's a competitive tournament. You're it's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said it to the people at work were asking me about it. Like my coworkers at the, the science museum because yeah. they know that I'm the soccer guy. These are people that don't follow soccer at all. And they say, <laughs> we saw the women won 13 nothing. Is that bad? I'm like, what's well, not bad? <laughs> what's bad they scored, about They it? scored 13 goals. I was, I was like, if you were, they're, they're, if you want to make some arguments about some of the celebrations, yeah, we can probably talk about that. But this is a competitive tournament. Yeah, I don't. It, I think it, it, it's more disrespectful to Thailand to to jump on the ball and start, you know, right. laying around the field uh, and, and trying to complete yeah. 30, 40 passes. I think the most important part about the women's team though is you see the sisterhood. 
when you're in like you know semifinals mm-hmm. and you're in the championship and you've run in through adversity, that sisterhood is going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. you see, you, definitely, you you, you see, you see such chemistry, and you see players that play for each other, and you see it's talent, it's talent. Yeah, it's you like see a sisterhood, system, and you see a system that unites them. You, you, you see all the things. Quite frankly, that that lacks with the men's team and has for a while, mm-hmm. and you know that I, I wish they would take a page from the women's team. And this is how you conduct yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the I whole mean, book, maybe. Seal the whole book. <laughs> but just just the fact that the men play down to opponents, and they give too much respect. Play down to teams that they're better than, and they give too much respect to teams that are that are better than them. Mm-hmm. And that is my biggest problem with the men's team. And it, it's. It, it, it's just riven through them and has been for a long time. And you could argue about, okay, well, there aren't as many competitive countries in the women's tournament as there. Whatever. You play who's in front of you. Yeah. And it, that attitude doesn't change. You know, that doesn't, who, who you're playing has nothing to do with the attitude of that team and, and the competitive, competitiveness of the women's team. And I wish. We could see that in the men's team, and we just don't. Yeah, um, I mean, to to go back to to some of the the match day stuff, though. I mean, I watched France uh, struggle to beat Nigeria the mm-hmm. other day, and that was a BS far decision that <laughs> they got them their their, their winning goal. Um, so you, you know, I think France goes into the tournament as the odds-on favorite because the, the 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 tournament is in their their country. I think they've been poor. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the other teams that that may be competitive with the U.S. women. Looking towards the the semifinals and the final, Germany, mm-hmm. uh, maybe England, uh, Japan, well, Germany's, Sweden. Germany's pretty nicked up. Yeah, I I just don't see an, an, another one of those teams even being able to come close to competing with the U.S. What women. do you feel about Brazil? Uh, <laughs> I decent. Martha's still still out. Yeah, still still banging goals. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, highest scoring. You know, broke World the record player, yesterday. Good. Uh, men's or women's highest scoring. Yeah. Uh, uh, goal scorer. Yeah. World Cup competition. It's it's amazing and still playing on a very high level. Yeah. Very hard to contain. Probably yeah. still one of the best individual players in 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 the Women's World Cup this year. It's tough. It's it, I'm hard pressed to think who could beat the U.S. right now. I don't. I, I mean, just don't see anybody. Yeah. I mean, I like, like 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 John said, they, they just have that unity. Yeah. And you, you, you feel like you know these are eleven women on the pitch that can lean on each other. And, yeah. And just. And if there's blood in the water, man, yeah, but honestly, that other team's honestly, gone. Good for them. Like this is the highest like press I've seen for this U.S. women's team mm-hmm. for decades. We've been going hard on the U.S. men for a team that really, let's be frank, hasn't really won much as a, as yeah. a soccer nation. No, and, and if and this I, is great, not in, and regressed in a lot of a, yeah. you know, lots yeah. of ways, especially in this you know, decade. It, yeah. It's gone backwards in the last few World Cups. So to see, yeah, to see. To see the women do it and the, do it the way they're doing it, and you, you, you're seeing like you know, probably this is the last time you're going to see Carly Lloyd in the World Cup, then you would have to think, uh, you know, Jersey's on. Yeah, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scored what, six straight games now. She's yeah. scored in six straight. Yeah, and then, you know, they ran her out there as a striker the other night. Just, yeah. just be. Which she'll score good. goals. Yeah, she'll score goals. And you know, I mean, when she used to play, I mean, and, and she still does in NWSL. When she's playing WPS, it was always kind of a, a known thing that like Carly will shoot from anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, she yeah. still will. She did Thirty that, yards yeah. out, yeah. sure. She'll, Forty yards out, why yeah. not? <laughs> so, yeah, and and you know, and you know, the through the group group stages are almost wrapped up. I think you're, you're really going to see 
I'm interested to see the game tomorrow, USA Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so that game hasn't happened yet. Um, I think that that is the the biggest test we'll see so right. far. Uh, you know, obviously Thailand was not much of a test. Uh, they gave the Chilean goalkeeper a, a real workout the right. other night. Um, I, th- I thought yeah. that was that was a great individual performance. Yeah. The Chilean goalkeeper, that, 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 oh, man, that save on press was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that was that was terrific. Um, so I, I think it'll be you know it's going to be interesting to see how that those two teams match up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm excited, and I'm excited to get to the the, the knockout stage of the, the women's. I, I think there's, so. there's, I there's think a couple of teams that you know, as as good as you, it feels like a formality for the yeah. US, this group uh, group play right now. So I'm really excited to see them kind of get tested a little more. And, sure. You know, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something. Uh, Can we talk about? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, is, yeah. is there is there the another Copa. even another tournament going on? Talk about the Copa. So is, is Colombia winning? Uh, so right now it is in. <laughs> John I keeps have, looking I at have his it phone. right next to me on my phone. So still nil nil. We're still in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, one football is not working. <laughs> uh, but we're tied right now against Qatar. Um, but I think right now the story in Copa America has to be us. We have the we've had the the biggest result so far. Yeah. You know. You can call it upset, I guess, but upsetting Argentina two nothing, right. and the performance we had, like from the first minute to the ninetieth minute, we weren't scared at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see, after today's uh, result, Brazil and Venezuela just drew nil nil. Mm-hmm. How can we not be the favorites right now? I've, we're buzzing right now in Colombia. It's exciting. No, it's, uh, it's, it's great to it's, see. It's, it's exciting to see you know a it's, team outside Brazil and Argentina yeah. kind of step up yeah, to the plate in yeah. that tournament. I right, because you know, we saw Chile last time, and yeah. you know, so you see Colombia had their moments too. Right, and, yeah. and, and, and it's great to see where the where the, the Colombian you know soccer program was to where it is now. Last you know twenty five years or so. So proud, I'm yeah. To, so to proud. kind of remake it, remake themselves into. All we really yeah. needed was just that that love again. Like mm-hmm. if we, when you think about Colombian soccer, we had our golden era, which was like the best era ever. Talking about. Like, Late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. You're talking about players like El Bivid, yeah. Guita, Freddy Rincon, all those guys. There was an actual love for the country. They were more intrigued about wearing our colors than just you know playing soccer in general. And that has come back now, and you're starting yeah. to see that with Peckerman. You know, building mm-hmm. you know mentality, a winning mentality. Yeah. Now with Quiedos, we have the actual manager now. I think I've said it before, Copa America. And I'm saying now we're going to win Copa America. Oh, yeah. yeah. You heard it here for first. Place. <laughs> uh, that's always a great tournament, though, because you do see some some of the great, great, some ta- great talent, great talent, and great styles. You know, it's always fun to see different styles of play going on. What's and, great too is you know we're big MLS guys. Nicolas mm-hmm. Lodero is yeah. playing great for Uruguay, and mm-hmm. I'm really happy to see that too. You know, MLS getting you know mm-hmm. the, the, sh- the line sh- uh, shine on them a little bit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that always helps. That always helps. But what, what did, did you uh, did you see the Brazil VAR decisions today? No, I did. I didn't get a chance. Brazil, I Brazil scored score. three times, and they got reversed from bar three times, <laughs> <laughs> and tied zero wow. zero. And they're in their home country, which is oh, that's great. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it was. Crazy. It was. I, I saw someone mocked up something on Twitter that was like, you know, fourteenth minute Brazil one nothing, fifteenth minute zero zero, <laughs> and it kept happening. Right. The three, uh, I don't know. The, the bar thing is there's still quite a few kinks to be worked out, as, as as we've seen in the women's World Cup. I think, which I think is it's been distracting. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it's weird, and I think refs are, I think it's made refs nervous. I mean, you're seeing it. I mean, I guess they get that mandate with the offsides call to wait till the last possible second to yeah. pull up the flag, and I, I, I think it might be making it's in the head of the refs a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. 
And it's it's been so weird to me that I mean, I think that some of the calls have been correct in the the merit of the calls. Like yeah. if if you go back to the Women's World Cup game with with France getting to retake a penalty kick because the goalkeeper moved off the line by six inches. Yeah. And you know the French player hit the shot off the post. So what advantage did the goalkeeper get there? Right. Um, we're on the same plane. When you look at the VAR review, there's three French players in the box already. But by the time the player kicks the ball, so there's there's an obvious uh, disparity between right. it helping offensive players and really hurting the defense and the goalkeeper. So I, it, it's it's frustrating to see you know things being followed to the rule of the game and then still not being really in the in the, spirit. In, in the best spirit of the right, sport. Right. I mean, I, I think. You know, those calls, I mean, it's, you know, it's like the phantom tag in baseball. It's like the stuff like that. It's like, you just accept it. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, it was the last lane violation you saw called in basketball. You know, it's like yeah. stuff. It's like, unless it's egregious, it's kind of whatever. You know, yeah. You I mean, go, if but, the goalkeeper jumped off the line, like before the, the somebody even starts running up, yes, it's a problem. Yeah. To have a sporting chance to save a penalty kick. Yeah. You got to get six inches. It's just this yeah. reality. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, I thought that Nigerian goalkeeper was going to kill a referee the other day, <laughs> and I was all for it. I was, I would have been just as pissed off. Make <laughs> sure we run in all sports. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up on there. I want to thank John for uh, yeah, yeah. for yeah. Uh, hopping on. Great discussion. Just really having. Yeah, great no, having it, it was. It was. Uh, you know, uh, and. Hopefully we'll have some more discussions like this. Let people yeah. know. You said you're big on the uh, YouTube yeah, and all that. Let yeah. people know uh, where they can find you. Absolutely. Uh, well, first off, guys, want to thank you for having me on. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been our here. pleasure. But guys, um, yeah. you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm known as El Parcero Philly, E-L Parcero, P-A-R-C-E-R-O, <laughs> Philly. Um, and if you see me at the matches or even I'm planning on taking you know this, this Parcero Philly movement to the other four sports as well. Mm-hmm. You see a guy with a sombrero or a <laughs> Colombian cape, definitely come up and say, I'm a personal guy. I always want to reach out to new fans, mm-hmm. and, you know, especially Latinos too. So I'm um, looking forward to yeah. seeing everyone. Awesome. Uh, I think we'll, uh, you know, Mike, always check out Mike's stuff on Philly's soccer page. Uh, we'll be back next week and have another fun guest, hopefully, line up. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon.